Hey everyone and welcome back to the Firefighters Podcast where we seek to develop, inspire and motivate the world of the emergency services operator through a series of wide-ranging conversations. Now before we go any further, just hit that rate, follow or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to. It's a key performance indicator for us and helps us reach even more people. Now here's what we've got for you today. Chrissy Downing, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. Not quite as good as you because I obviously didn't smash the Cheshire Fire Challenge in the in the last few weeks, and that's why I kind of wanted to reach <laughs> out to you um, because this this isn't uh, you know this is something that's quite new. This is the first time you've ever competed in it, right? Uh, yeah, this is the um, the first time I've ever really done anything like this. Um, so normally. Um, I'm a long distance runner. I do quite a lot of marathons and ultra marathons. This year, I just sort of fancied uh, changing it up a bit. I thought, what could be more opposite than running really, really slowly for a long amount of time than going balls out for three and a half minutes? <laughs> <laughs> when did you first get afterwards. into ultra marathons? Ultra marathons, for anybody that's unfamiliar. I, what is the definition of an ultra marathon? I always thought it was 100 miles plus. Uh, when I, an ultra marathon is anything over the standard marathon distance of uh, 26.2. So there's various different distances out there. Um, I've done a couple of double marathons um, and the longest I've done was 100 kilometre, which was absolutely, it was brilliantly awful. <laughs> brilliantly uh, like awful. A, 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 great, a, a great achievement, not something I'd particularly like to repeat. <laughs> when did you first start doing them? What sort of drew you into ultra marathon running? And why is, why is a marathon, I've never even run a marathon to be honest with you. I don't know really. I've, um, I guess I've always been the sort of person that I'll try something and then I'll push a bit harder and a bit harder and a bit harder. And I'm, I'm never going to be quick enough at running to be able to be competitive at it. So for me, the the only thing really I feel like I push is my is the distance. When you get into the long distances, really long distances, it's a bit of a test of character and stubbornness. Mm. Um, and it's sort of a bit of a battle against yourself so it seems uh, like sort of recreational self-torture just because of how long it is as well (laughs) do you know what I mean have you read David Goggins book uh, I haven't, though. Oh, David Goggins, is, uh, his book's called Can't Hurt Me. Um, really, really interesting read. And again, he, he didn't do ultras until he was <sighs> late 30s, at least. How long have you been doing them? Were you always into sport? Did you do anything before them? Um, I started, I did my first marathon 2014, I think. Um, and then I did a few marathons for a few years. I did my first ultra. I can't remember. I, three or four years ago. Mm. When did you actually join I, the fire brigade? Uh, I joined the brigade uh, fire four years ago now, I think, as an on-call firefighter mm-hmm. uh, in Oxfordshire. I took the role on and took my development programme on, a bit like I sort of take everything on with, uh, with both hands. My lifestyle at that time meant that I could go into station pretty much every day uh, into the whole t- and train the whole time crews. All right. Uh, so I managed to um, blitz my way through all my stuff really quickly um, and really well. Yeah, I was going to say, what sort of time of your life are you doing this? Because you must have been doing something before this. Why did you want to, you know, change and start joining the fire service? Uh, it's something. It's something I've really I wanted to do for a long time, but I haven't really had the con- before then. I didn't really have the confidence to just go for it. Not in the. Um, not in that. I would be a female working in a male-dominated environment, not with that, but just with the confidence in myself that I would be able to do the job well enough. 
Why? What What was the image um, of I've the got... job in your mind when you say you, you weren't confident of you weren't you obviously had an idea of something that was there and you couldn't see a connection between who you were and what that thing was. What, what did you think it was and what did you think you didn't have? Yeah, I think that's really interesting, actually. So I think the common the common perception of firefighters is probably what I what I had in mind. So you big burly guys lifting really heavy weights and a bit of towering inferno. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Anything that you would have seen <laughs> on the calendar in the 80s or the 90s, I suppose. <laughs> that's it, yeah. So, um, and I think that's probably a fairly common perception, even though brigades are working really hard to change that, change that image. Um, but what, what did it for me, really, is I've got a few friends that are firefighters um, at the time, and they, I said, just one night in the power, I'd had a, a glass of wine, which, uh, this is not uncommon for me to be making decisions on. Um, and I said to my friend, do you think I could do that? And uh, he said, yeah, you'd be bloody brilliant. Go for it. And uh, so I did. Um, and now I, abs- I absolutely love the job. Brilliant. So you said you got a whole time to common after starting with your on-call retained stuff as well? Yeah. So I, um, I finished my development program in eight months, which was a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a record, really. Um, and I sort of came out of it with also with a really good reputation for um, high standards and like, enthusiasm. Done. Yeah. Getting shit done. <laughs> what did you actually do before um, it? And I just managed to time it right to get a, a whole con- whole time contract, a secondment, temporary contract, mm. uh, which I managed to turn, uh, sort of go through the recruitment process and get a permanent. So that's me then. <laughs> So what did you actually do before it? Because, you know, whilst you say you didn't have the confidence to put yourself into the fire service, you were clearly driven. You know, you clearly had some sort of, you know, we speak about the self-torture from the ultramarathon stuff when we talk about this, <laughs> wanting to push yourself and if improvise, adapt, overcome. If you can't be the best at one thing, then you'll find another way to be the best at something else. What what route had that taken you down so far in your life before you joined the fire service? Um, it's a bit strange, really, but for the um, sort of 12, 14 years before, uh, I was um, packing parachute systems, um, inspecting, packing, mending, reserve parachutes, and that was me, really, just like technician. How on earth did you get into a job like that? <laughs> um, it was a bit of an accident, really. Again, a, a, a glass or maybe a bottle was, uh, of wine was involved in, um, in deciding to go and do a skydive. Uh, it sort of all escalated from there, really. Um, but I've always been quite um, practical and hands-on, but also I quite like getting into the nitty-gritty of like all the technical stuff as well. Yeah. So that sort of it, it was is a similar sort of thing to the fire service where it's got both elements. Oh, 100%. There's so much um, correlation there. You need to be professional in how you do it. You need to know the technical data. You need to not mess about when you're doing your checks. People's lives are relying on you. There's aspects of adrenaline and accountability to it. There's, there's, there's so much crossover. Yeah, definitely. The, uh, the only other thing, well, the only uh, downside being that um, being self-employed in a weather-dependent uh, industry isn't great. <laughs> no. <laughs> Financially, which made me sort of push me to, to join want to get a proper job but I didn't want a real like a proper grown-up job no <laughs> so, uh, so the fire service was where I turned to I constantly wonder what I'm going to be when I grow up but I don't know <laughs> I'm still got my fingers crossed it's going to be something super exciting um I did want to ask you 
How many people you think like I mean I'm not asking for silly number or anything like that, but how many people must have done something similar where I mean for you you say it was a glass of wine or a bottle of wine and you've made that decision and you stayed in that decision for fourteen years and whilst it will have given you aspects of fulfilment, it wasn't something that really you know, it wasn't something that really tickled your pickle, you know, it wasn't something that really engaged you. You didn't feel entirely fulfilled doing it. But it's so easy for that to bleed. I mean, for you, you spent over a decade doing that, and this is not a regret thing, this yeah. is not a you know, woe is me because you've you've taken the ball by the horns you've had that encouragement by having strong supportive individuals around you but I always think of how many people hold themselves back with an illusion of what they believe they can't do and get stuck in something mm. that they never they never really plan for anyway and you said there about how the the unsure how unsure you were about you know financial income and stuff on with things that aren't permanent and things that are seasonal and stuff like that it reminds me of, um, I think it was Jim Carrey, where he said like his dad had a great passion to do something. He was going to be a comedian, but he didn't want to risk that for his family. So he became an accountant. And then after something like 25, 30 years, he was let go. And this is a family went through some real financial hard times. But you can, you can fail at something you don't enjoy anyway. So you might as well risk it and go for something that you really want. And I, and I suppose that's kind of what you've done now. Yeah, this is um, now I feel completely settled i'm in a it's allowed me to buy my first house on complete uh on a really great station a really good watch and yeah this is this is where i want to finish my sort of working career really absolutely love it so i just want to like pick i mean we haven't even spoke really about the, the british firefighter challenge stuff <laughs> and the Cheshire Fire challenge stuff we'll get into that in a minute in fact let's go there now i mean because you sound like somebody that has a lot of structure that has a lot of discipline i know when we sort of when was it when did we first speak it was a long time ago was it a year and a half ago a year ago uh, i think it was probably about a year ago yeah yeah and i know yeah. you you went on the, to do sort of some of the programming and some of the training that, that james and i have tried to put together from our adventures and our work with the with the fire challenges in the british and the cheshire cheshire and now the welsh firefighter challenge how did you yeah. need to adapt some of your training and how, what were some of the things you found most beneficial? You know, if you had to give somebody some advice for anybody that's unfamiliar, what, what is it you just achieved? So I have, um, I just took part in my first firefighter challenge, which was the um, Cheshire virtual firefighter challenge um, and won the female section, which was really good. Really, really pleased with that. Did you have any sort of indication overall. that you were going to do that well going into it? Because you you beat the everybody else by quite a significant time in comparison to when you look at the men's races. We aren't as, uh, there's not such bigger gaps between us and, and each other. Whereas yours, you were quite significantly faster. Yeah, you know, I had, I, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea uh, what to expect really. Um, I mean, I can uh, so I like as you say I like to be prepared and structured and all of that. Um, so I had been on and sort of looked at last year's times and things like that. Mm. Um, but really, you just don't know with a competition like that. You just don't know who else is out there who's been training hard and and working hard and um, is going to come in at the last minute and put a, a really fast time in. So I was I was never um, I, I think I was in the lead for the the whole time. But I was always, I kept checking it relentlessly to, to see if, if there was anyone else that had um, beaten my time. Yeah, 
My, yeah, so I have a lot of contact with James and the guys that run the competition and stuff like that. <laughs> I travel. Did he like, tell you I was texting every day? <laughs> well, he had so many. Honestly, they get absolutely inundated. The, the whole page and the whole thing just goes crazy for that two or three week period. And then I know that they're trying to plan on yeah. doing something else later on in the year. But I traveled a couple of hours to come down and support them with it. So I was absolutely trashed by the time I got there because we were going to hand over the um, pink firefighter helmets. And it was one of those, you know, why she here? why don't you do a run? Cause I was there with James. So we did the run and I, I wasn't thinking it was a great time. It's not the, you know, it's not as good as stuff I've ran at the British firefighter challenge, but my story is a little bit like yours, except for the fact that I didn't get the gold in the end in that it just sort of held and held and held for so long. And then some, I mean, I, I mean, I got, I got the fastest time in my age group, but some young lad just came in and yeah. absolutely blistered it. I can't remember the gentleman's <laughs> name, but he's, he is, uh, he was um, very impressive. He is a fast lad. Um, there's there's different dynamics to it, though. I mean, what were some of the focused areas? I know we haven't got time to go into all of them, but for, for people that are seeing what you've done and thinking there's like a million marginal gains everywhere, because if you see two runs hand in hand, it's not obvious where the big wins have happened. So what sort of training has yeah, your training looked like and, and how have you managed to sort of, you know, get those marginal gains, I suppose? Um, it's it's been um, It's been quite a long slog of, Doing, focusing on various different things. Um, so right at the start, we were doing really as heavy as I could lift, but to um, for low reps to just increase that strength and a bit of um, confidence in what I could lift. Obviously, working on the movements that are going to be present for for like all three challenges. Yeah. Um, and then just lately, we've been um, doing a lot more um, like lower weights but higher reps. So it's a bit more cardio, a bit more endurance. So it's a bit more replicating the challenges mm. in the last few weeks it's mainly just been now um getting my hands on the kit um running around getting sweaty in the yard at work the uh, the marginal gains i'd say probably um a big one for me was being able to run so practicing the hose drag running that out rather than having to walk with it yeah just practicing running hose like making hose up because we and we don't really do it that often, I don't think, in the job, really. No. Um, and when we do, we don't really do it in a rush. I, I um, always so do it a bit of a different uh, game. <laughs> Whenever we're making up hose now, I always make sure I've just got my gloves on, I take my tunic off, and I try and walk to the end and try and just, just set myself in that position and just go hell for leather for it. If I mess it up, then I just have to re-roll it. But most of the time, when we're making up hose on the jobs, we're going to have to roll it out and we get back to station anyway and sort of uh, hose it down because it's usually covered in all sorts of rubbish. So I always try, whenever yeah, I'm yeah. making up hose now, I always try and do it at sort of drill pace. Yeah, because you're right, it, it's a ball ache to get it out and just do it for the purposes of this kind of training. And that's a real, you know, colossal, I suppose, marginal game when you see the different techniques of people rolling the hose, whether they choose to go with the lugs, whether they go two folds in the hand and then just taps on the side. I've seen some people try and do the lugs approach. I didn't see anybody do it in the Cheshire Fire Challenge. I think there'll be a few people doing it in the BFC, though. I remember them practicing it last right. year, and it's really, really slick. You have to be very reliant on just having very, very loose and very free-moving lugs on the end of the um, yeah. on the end of the female coupling, though. And I think if, it might trip a few people up, but if you can pull it off, it's going to be fast. Yeah, I've, I've given it a bit of a go a, a couple of times, and it sort of worked, but I wasn't uh, I wasn't confident enough to to try it for the Cheshire. But we'll see. I'm not, con- I'm not confident with it. I don't. I don't think it's a good one. I, I don't. I think there's just so much room for error on that. 
I wanted yeah. to ask you, you looking back at your recruitment and stuff like that, you said you managed to nail it in eight months. You know, as we close, is there any sort of tips for people that maybe are considering joining the service, maybe in a position such as yourself, they feel like they don't have the confidence. Is there any sort of advice you would give them or anything you would do differently to try and get you into the position you're in now? Oh, well, I always say to any, anyone that just anyone that just joins um, our crew, I always say, like, ask questions, be there as much as you can, be... Um, enthusiastic um, because people don't mind helping you if you are there and you're trying and you if you're less enthusiastic and don't sort of put yourself forward then um, it's more difficult to get that help from people that are, are sort of already in the job yeah in terms of sort of going from the start I'd say that you don't have to be oh, this sounds a bit like the party line but I don't think you you don't have to be a strapping 511 person like bodybuilder to join the job you you know you um everyone brings their own strengths to the table um so gone are the days where you need to um sling an 80 kilo person over your shoulder and climb up a ladder yeah like that the job has changed quite a lot don't let your physical limitations stand in the way of letting you do something that you really want to do because mm. the chances are if you really want to do it you'll be awesome at it Hundred percent. I always say, you know, I'd rather have a mindset over a skill set, because, like you said, there, yeah. if you yeah, want, absolutely. if you really want to do it, and if you're eager to learn, you're going to pick it up so much faster. And a skill set you can learn in a very short period of time. It might take you years to master it, but to become competent, you know, which is what a lot of UK Fire and Rescue Services are looking for, I think that should be the bare minimum. It shouldn't be something you aspire to. That should be where you start after training school, and then we should build on it from there. But to get to that competency, competency is a skill set you can develop over a sort of six to eight month period. Whereas a mindset, if you come in with the right mindset, that will take you so much further and it will cut those grooves so yeah. much deeper in the way that you learn. And it's so much more engaging for the people that are there with you. Even if they're contractually obligated to train you, if you're hungry, you won't just get it from the person that's supposed to be your mentor or from the person that's supposed to be your instructor. You will learn something from everybody you have an interaction with. And it's infectious and that they will want to develop themselves to be able to give you further lessons. They'll be digging back through their mind, through their books, through examples, their experiences, the incidents they've attended to give you those lessons learned. So if you come in with the right mindset like you have, you can close the gap so quick. Like you said, you've almost made a sort of a record in your service for closing that gap in eight months but you because yeah. you've had that mindset yeah. you've taken it upon yourself to go in there and spend time with the whole time cruise you know not being paid over and above and you know overtime and all that sort of jazz to go and do it you, you've taken those actions i always say shy kids don't get sweets and it's not about being lucky you put yourself in those positions where you get lucky yeah. interactions you get lucky conversations you get lucky experiences but you've got to put yourself in those situations to do it yes absolutely and um for some people that's quite a big step and quite a brave step but it's one that is a thousand percent worth taking. Love it. Chrissy, thank you so much for your time. I know I said, and I remember I said the other day, I was like, oh, we're just going to have a quick 10 minutes together. So we're <laughs> just chatting for like 25 minutes there already. <laughs> I honestly would love, are you coming to British, Fire, British Firefight Challenge this year? Uh, I am. I'm um, doing the Welsh as well. You're doing so the Welsh uh, as well? In two weeks. Two weeks time, yeah. I am at the Welsh. I'm hosting the Welsh and I'm hosting oh, the British. Brilliant. So when I see you there, we'll, we'll have a high five in person and I'll be able to see you and congratulate you properly. And uh, 
it'd be exciting. You know, you, I know you're going to bring it to the Welsh one as well. It's a new competition, so there'll be some fierce competition. There'll be people that have never travelled over to the BFC, so uh, got to try, <laughs> got to try and put it out there. I mean, I'm a big heavy guy, so you're going to be significantly faster than me. But at least one of us will be putting some scores on the boards. I think. All right, Chrissy. No worries. Thank you. The Firefighters Podcast is a global podcast seeking to develop, inspire, and motivate the world of the emergency services operators. Through a series of wide-ranging conversations celebrating those within our sector, we seek to encourage and support this incredible group of people. It's brought to you by myself, operational firefighter Pete Wakefield, and I speak with individuals from all walks of life who I sincerely believe can add value to or develop those who have chosen this life path. Please support your emergency services wherever you are in the world, and thank you for listening.